So last week we finished up our Fill Me Up series and uh, something that we did in 2015 that we're going to actually revisit again as a church this year. In 2015 we did a series called Generation Essentials and it was a nine-part series where we talked about the characteristics of a follower of Jesus, some of the main characteristics of being a follower of Jesus. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. There's more to this list about being a follower of Jesus. Uh, But what we're going to do this year, we're going to do Gen Essentials 2.0. And uh, between every series, we're going to look at a different characteristic. So it's a series that's going to last all year, that will be in between um, series. And so today we're going to start with part one of uh, this um, nine-part venture of the characteristics of being a follower of Jesus Christ. But before we get into that, I want you to take you back to December 19th, 2001. It was like yesterday, right? 2001. In fact, it was 16 years ago. Can you believe that? But anyway, December 19th, 2001, you may recall that day. You may not recall that day. But it was the day that a movie would come out that would just change all other movies. It was the start of a trilogy that would change the way that Hollywood did special effects. And it was based on a book, and a lot of people went to see the movie because they had read the books. And and I had never read the book, and I had heard that the first movie was going to be a little slow, because it's a little slow in the first book. But I remember watching this movie, and I was gripped I was in awe and I was converted all in the same time. For the movie was the beginning of a trilogy called Lord of the Rings. And uh, the very first episode of Lord of the Rings was a movie called Fellowship of the Ring. And as I started watching it, it was written by a a guy called J.R. Tolkien, who actually lived just down the road from where I grew up. It wasn't that far, but I never read his books. I wasn't much of a reader growing up. Well, I learned a lot from the movie, and I learned that there was these rings that had power, and uh, the, the ring was causing the destruction of civilization. And so this ring, through the uh, destiny of this ring, fell in the hands of a young little hobbit called Frodo Baggins. And Frodo had this ring, and they realized this ring was bad, and it was causing the destruction of civilization. And so they needed to destroy the ring. And the only way to destroy the ring was to throw the ring into the fires of Mordor and... Thus, Lord of the Rings began. Well, what you find in that first movie called Fellowship of the Ring was that Frodo could not do this by himself. It was a weight too much for Frodo to bear. So Frodo gathered, or eight other companions gathered around Frodo, all different types of people, different types of personalities, and they were going to help Frodo to take this ring to Mordor and destroy it in the fires of Mordor. I can talk about this all day, but hey, how about we watch a quick clip from it, right? So why don't you watch this? Take it. 
I will take the ring to Mordor. possible to separate you even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. Wait, we're coming too! We'll have to send us all tied up in a sack to stop it. Anyway, you need people of intelligence on this sort of mission, quest, thing. Well, that rules you out, Pip. I am companion. So be it. You shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Where are we going? Let's be honest. Here at Generation Church, we have shown some epic movies, right? I mean, there was Star Wars over Christmas. We've just shown Lord of the Rings. All we need to do now is show some Indiana Jones and maybe an episode of Austin Powers and all the greatest movies that have ever been shown, we've shown here at Generation Church, right? So here you have nine companions who are going on this quest to destroy this ring. They are called the Fellowship of the Ring. And you see nine different people, nine different personalities, nine individuals who are very different from one another. Some don't even like each other. Some, they speak different languages from each other. They are just so different, but yet they come together in what they call the fellowship of the ring because there is this one common denominator, and that is the quest to destroy the ring. That is why they're called the fellowship of the ring. And this is just what happens to the life of the Christian believer as well. Those who have received and experienced the saving power and the life of Jesus Christ, they have one thing in common. There is one purpose in common. And while we may be different, maybe some of us look different, maybe of us talk a little different, maybe some of us, we believe in some different things, we have different personalities, we may support different sports teams, we may even support different political groups, we may even have different tastes in what we like, some of you like chocolate, some of you don't, I don't know why you would ever like not like chocolate, but... We're different. However, we come together under this common denominator, this common purpose, and this is what our commonality is. The fellowship of Jesus. The fellowship of Jesus. You'll find no matter what country that you go to, 
And if you ever have the opportunity to go to different countries, especially if you get to go to different churches in different countries or maybe on a mission trip and you get to see different people who believe in Jesus Christ, what you find is no matter what country you go to, there is something magnetic and beautiful about the people who have fellowship with Jesus. That you can speak a different language to somebody. You can not even know anything about them, but there is an attraction. There is a magnetic pull within them towards you. And that attraction is this, that they have fellowship with Jesus. And as a a Christian, there is this magnetic pull that as they have fellowship with Jesus, you also want to have fellowship with them as well. What I've discovered is that some of my deepest friendships in life I would have never embarked on if I had not known Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because some of my deepest friendships of people I would have never associated with, I would have never hung out with, had we not been Christians with one another, had we not had this common purpose that we had fellowship with Jesus, and I wouldn't have given them the time of day. But what I found is that they've become some of my deepest friends. And if you take back, uh, go back like a week and a half, just a little less than a week and a half, we had our worship night here at Generation Church. We had a great time, and we were worshiping God together and, and, and really felt the power of God in, in this place. And as we prayed for one another, laid hands on one another, it, it was a spiritual moment. It was a spiritual moment. You could not deny it, it was this holy moment that was, that was happening here at Generation Church, this spiritual moment. But go back another five days beforehand, and we all gathered to watch a football game and eat some chili and maybe a little too much chili. And we had a good time, and, and, and people were talking with each other, and our kids were going crazy and making a mess everywhere. And, but it was good. It was good times. And what I discovered, or what, what you should discover or know is this, that that moment of watching a football game was just as spiritual as being here at a worship night where we're laying hands and praying for one another. Because what we find, God is pleased when his children have fellowship. As believers of Christ, we must and we should understand the importance of fellowship. And I want to say that again to you so you understand it. But as believers of Christ, we must and we should understand the importance of fellowship with each other. Let me show you in the Bible why it talks about this. In the the epistle of John. John 1, the apostles of Jesus, not the gospel of John, but the epistle of John, which is found towards the end of the New Testament. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, it tells us this. This is the message we heard from Jesus, John is saying, and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So John is telling us here, he's saying that if you are a believer of Jesus, then you need to have fellowship with Jesus And by having fellowship with Jesus, you want to turn away from your old life. 
your, your sinful life, of doing what pleases you, what you want to do. And if you are continuing in that old life, then you really don't have fellowship with Jesus. But if you have fellowship with Jesus, then one of the marks of having fellowship with Jesus is also having fellowship with other believers, each other as well. Now you may say, well, Alex, that's all very well, but what is fellowship? Such a strange word, kind of a churchy word almost. You see churches, they have like the fellowship hall, right? It's a hall where only fellowship happens. Like you can't have fellowship anywhere else in church, but the fellowship hall. And and you hear this, this word fellowship. Well, the dictionary would tell us that fellowship is a friendly association or pursuits of one's interests. So it's a friendly association, so you're coming together as friends, but you're pursuing interests with each other. You can have fellowship with people about almost anything. People have fellowship over sports. They support the same sports team. And they have fellowship together. And when you get people who support the same sports team, they always kind of talk together. And they're like, like they're the experts, like they're the coach, right? And they get together and there's this in-depth discussion about a sports team. They're having fellowship with one another. Moms are great at fellowship because they come together and they talk about their kids like, like it's amazing. It's like they got PhD, a PhD in kids because they can talk in ways about kids that I'm just like, wow, is there really that much to say about our kid? But they come together and they have fellowship over their child. People have fellowship over books. They have like book clubs. They read books together and they come together and they discuss the books and they drink coffee together. And they're having fellowship over books. People have fellowship over movies, right? You have movie night, you invite all your friends over, and then you watch the movie, and then you discuss the movie, and then you try to quote the movie, uh, and then you even may get a t-shirt about the movie. You have fellowship over the movie, right? That's fellowship going on together. People have fellowship in organizations. Political parties have fellowship with each other. They come together in one common purpose. Fellowship is happening. But there is a difference between fellowship and Christian fellowship. So I want to explain to you today, what is Christian fellowship? What is this fellowship that John is talking about? Why are you telling me, Alex, that it is essential as a Christ follower that we have fellowship with each other? Throughout the New Testament, there are many references to this word fellowship. The first, what we see in the the church setting, the first time it's used in the the church setting, is found in the book of Acts chapter 2. In the book of Acts chapter 2, if you remember from our Fill Me Up series, they just received the Holy Spirit and then they go out in the streets and, and then Peter starts talking and preaching the gospel and, and people start to believe and people are baptized. And then it tells us that their mentality as a church started to change, as a people, as believers of Jesus started to change. Their priorities started to change. The Bible says that suddenly they started gathering together and studying God's Word together. That they started to eat together. Because all great fellowship begins with eating. Let me just tell you. They started to remember Christ's death and resurrection together. They started to pray together. 
And so their priorities started to change. And in Acts chapter 2, 42, it says this, all the believers, not just some of them, not just a few clicks here and there, not just some who, who like to, to, to hang out and then the others who just didn't want to hang out with anybody else, but no, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So we see here, classic fellowship is happening. Because they are coming together under this common purpose that Jesus Christ has saved them from their sin. They're now Christians, they're believers, and they're coming together, and they're praying together, they're studying God's Bible together, that they are eating meals together, and fellowship is happening. Now to understand this word fellowship, it's probably good to take a look at what the original meaning of fellowship is here in the Bible. Now, the, Old, the New Testament is written in, in Greek. Now, I am not a Greek scholar, and uh, I do not know Greek uh, like some people do. Um, but uh, there are a few words here and there that, uh, that, that you come to know. And this word is a classic Greek word that, uh, that, that you'll see uh, here and there, and uh, lots of churches talk about it. But the classic Greek word that was used here is a word called koinonia. Koinonia. You see that koinonia is used about 19 times in the New Testament, and it's translated in, very, in different forms. Sometimes it's translated in fellowship. Sometimes it's translated in the British word or the English word, I should say, not British word, English word, fellowship, contribution. Sometimes it's translated as sharing, and other times it's translated as participation. So you have this word fellowship, contribution, sharing, and participation. Now, the word koinonia, it had several different examples to its meaning. It was used to describe people who own something in common. So now you just don't like something together. Now you own something in common. For example, families have koinonia. When you get together with your family, koinonia is happening because you own your blood together. You have the same, some of you have the same mother or the same father together. You, you are a family. There is something in common that you have with each other. It also means to live together in community to do life together, to be involved in each other's lives. This is what this word koinonia means. Now, koinonia did not really refer to like one or two people. So it's not really like a married couple who were just together all the time and they have no other friends and they get together and they, they're, they're having a great time and they're sharing meals. That's really not koinonia. Koinonia is used to describe bigger groups. So large and small groups. There's more than just a couple people happening when koinonia is happening. Now, it is an active word, not a passive word. So it's not just like, hey, that guy who I don't know down the street, he likes the same sports team as me. We have koinonia. It's not that. It's an active word. It, it, it means not just to be a member or an associate or in association with someone, but it means to be active to contribute, to share, to participate with one another in the pursuit that you have in common. So in Acts 2.42, we see classic koinonia happening. As they came together in their association with Jesus, they were studying, they were eating, they were praying together. This is koinonia in a nutshell. 
So if this koinonia, this fellowship is so important, then who do we have fellowship with? Who are we supposed to, as believers, have fellowship with? Because let's be honest, there's millions of Christians in the world today, but you can't have koinonia with every one of them. You can't have fellowship with every single one of those Christians because you don't know most of those Christians, those believers. Here in a church, even in our church setting, you may not be able to have koinonia with everybody here in our church setting. So who are you supposed to have fellowship with? Well, I want to give you three practical examples or three examples of who as believers we are to have fellowship with. And the first one is this. Fellowship with your local church. Fellowship with your local church church. Now notice I didn't say fellowship with church or I did not say attend church. I said fellowship with your local church. Now this word church, it can mean so much. When people think of church, the majority of people are thinking of a building, a location, a place, a landmark, right? We talk about the church on such and such streets, or the, 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 the church with the big steeple in that town. That's what we think about often when we think of church. People who, who think a little bit more about church, they, they, they think maybe an institution or an organization, right? So, so we, we think of more than just a building. We think church or, or we say things like the Catholic church or the Anglican church or the non-denominational church. And we say things like that. That's what so many people think when they think of church. However, when God thinks of church, he sees his people. He sees groups of his children joining together. He sees tribes and families, not pews, chairs, and steeples. So when God sees church, when God thinks of church, he is not thinking about a physical location, a physical building. He is thinking about his children, his people. He sees tribes and families. This is why here at Generation Church, we always refer to you as our generation family. Our generation family. This place, this building that we have is not our church. We're not defined by 2239 Old Emerton Road or 2237 Old Emerton Road, Suite D, or 101 East Wheel Road, Suite B, right? We're not defined by these physical locations at all. This place is not our church. You are our our church. And we are your church. See, you can come here every single Sunday. You can attend church every single week of your life, and you still may not ever experience koinonia with anybody. Because church is not about going to a church. It's about joining together with other believers and being the church. See, fellowship cannot be done alone. You will never experience the fullness of Christ if you isolate yourself from the body of Christ. Now, there's a family member of mine, I will not mention their name, 
and because you may meet them one day, but they got hurt in church. They got hurt pretty bad in church. In fact, they had attended church every single Sunday, every single day, every week of their life, and they decided, you know what, I don't like associating myself with those people anymore. I mean, I, I can understand some, I mean, the church that they're talking about, these were like unfriendly people. They, they never say hi to anybody. And so this person decided that they didn't want to go to church anymore. They didn't want to attend church. They didn't want to get up on a Sunday and go to church. They didn't want to volunteer. They didn't want to be in a small group or anything. Now, their spouse decided, no, I'm still going to be part of a church. So their spouse, every single Sunday, goes to church, has friends, and has fellowship with the church. But this person doesn't. And so I challenged this person on this. This person is someone I love dearly, and I challenged them. And I said, that's not right. It says, you may have got hurt, but you need the church. And they said this. They says, no, I go to church. I says, you do? I says, well, I don't see you going to church. No. She goes, I go to church. It's a small church. She goes, it's a church of four people. It's a church of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and myself. She said, it's the perfect church. She says, we never have any issues. We have a wonderful time with each other. She says, and it's just wonderful. She goes, I can, don't even have to get dressed to go to my church. And this person is fully convinced that they have a wonderful time and they are doing what pleases God because they spend time with God. But this is what I know. That person is missing out. That person, they may have an aspect of their Christian life that is on fire for God, but they are missing out in other aspects of their Christian life. That person will never experience the fullness of God while they isolate themselves from the people of God. So this is what I know. You cannot love Christ and expect Christ to pour his favor on you if you dismiss his true love. And his true love is his bride. And the Bible defines his bride as the church of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25 tells us this. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. So here, the writer of Hebrews is telling us that one of our roles as we come together in fellowship with the local church is to help each other and motivate each other to love and good works and not neglect ourselves and our coming together because we need each other. Then the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, I start reading at verse 9, he says this, For God chose to save us through the Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you Thessalonians are already doing. 
Then he continues and he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other, to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is Christ's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Christ's will for you is that you would encourage one another. You would lift each other up. Those who are lazy, that you would give them a stern kick. And you know what? Come on. Start to work. Those who are timid, help them, bring them along so that they come out of themselves. Those who, who, who need prayer, pray for them. Those who are lacking peace, come and comfort them. Those who are down, come and, come and hug them and pray with them and lift them up. See, this is what I know. You need fellowship with your local church because you need comrades you need friends you need brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you and they need you to encourage them that is what part of being a Christian is all about it's not saying thank you Jesus for saving me okay now I'll just do whatever I want it's about saying, thank you, Jesus, joining together in fellowship with others in one common purpose, encouraging and lifting each other up. So you need fellowship with your local church. The, other, the second thing that you need fellowship with is you need fellowship with Christ. You need fellowship with Christ. Church is not just about hanging out with your friends and having potlucks. I know sometimes it feels like that, but it's not. Well, here at Generation Church, we believe you can belong before you even believe. You may be in this place and you not, may not believe what we believe, but you can still belong. You can still belong here and everybody needs a place to belong. You are welcome and you are loved. But the truth is this. You will never understand true koinonia type of fellowship unless you take the next step and you move into fellowship with Christ. Jesus told us this in John chapter 15. John 15, and start reading at verses 3. Jesus says, You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. We need fellowship with Christ because Christ gives us life. 
Christ sustains us. Christ gives us purpose in life. And just like a branch, when it is severed from the tree, when it's cut off from the tree, it may still look like it's living for a while. Eventually it dies and withers away. Some of you, you got flowers for Valentine's. They look so pretty on, Tuesday, on Wednesday. This Wednesday, they're going to look nasty because they've been cut away. You have to remain in fellowship with Christ because he gives life and he sustains. So in Lord of the Rings, Frodo and his companions, they were tied together with one purpose, one mission, and that was to destroy the ring. And as believers of Jesus... You are tied in together with Christ for the purposes of Christ. There are many people who think that being in fellowship with Jesus is just being a good Christian. But that is not the purpose of fellowship with Christ. When you join together, you become a branch from the vine. And the branches start to produce fruit. And what happens is you're not on your own. Now you are part of the vine. You are now in partnership with the active work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The day you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I make you Lord of my life. Come and live and make your spirit dwell within me. Was the day you says, I'm going to be in partnership with the active work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look what 1 Corinthians 1, 7 to 9 tells us. It says, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the Lord's return. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. As a believer, you have been invited into the partnership in the work of Jesus Christ. Fellowship is not about belonging. We all need a place to belong, but fellowship is not about belonging. Fellowship is about partnering. Christ never intended for you to belong to him without having koinonia with him, without being this active fellowship with him where you are partnering, contributing, and sharing with him. So we need fellowship with the local church. We need fellowship with Christ. And lastly and very quickly, we need fellowship with the kingdom. Fellowship with the kingdom. An overflow of fellowship with your local church and an overflow of having fellowship with Christ is that you join the greater kingdom of God. You join with believers all over the world and you help fulfill the mission of Jesus, which is this, to seek and to save those who are lost in a dark and sinful world with the message of Jesus. And the message of Jesus is this, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. It is a kingdom that will reign forever. You are joining together with millions of Christ followers who are shining their light to bring the glory of Christ to this world. Now, you can walk into a, into a room and there's lots of lights. And you don't really notice the lights because they're all shining and they're all, you know, they're all having their purpose and they're lighting up the room. But I guarantee if you walk into a room, there could be like a thousand lights 
but there's one where the light bulb has gone out. Your eye is going to go to that light bulb that's gone out, right? It's the first thing that, 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 that you notice. I notice here on Sunday mornings, if there's a light bulb out, my eye is like on it all the time. Because you notice what is different from everything else. And you don't want to be that light bulb that has gone out. You don't want to be the one that is stopping the light shining in your world. You want to join with the millions of Christ followers throughout this world who are shining their light, bringing glory to God. Did you know there is a greater role for your life? There is a bigger story to your life than what you just see right now. And you may feel insignificant in your life. Well, I can't do anything for Christ. That's not true. You are shining a light for Christ. You are shining the light that this world may see the glory of God. That's why we as a church, we can't just be inward in our focus. We need to be outward in our focus. That's why we have missionaries and why we support different people who are different parts of the world. Last week, Chad went to, to Australia. And now Ch Ch Chad is going out and shining a light in Australia. But we still partner with him in the kingdom of God. We've got missionaries in, 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 in India and, and in Colombia that we support and we partner with. Because we're partnering with the kingdom of God. When we have fellowship with one another, and when we strengthen our fellowship with Jesus, then the natural result is to join in the greater mission of Jesus. So what is the purpose of church? It's a purpose that we join together. We come together. We don't just come together, but we sing together. Some people sing better than others, but we still sing together. We pray together. We remember Jesus' death and resurrection together. We study the scriptures together like we've been doing this morning, like you're doing small group this week. We eat together. We laugh together. We watch epic movies together. We cry together. We'll even watch football games together, even though I'd rather be playing darts together. But it's more than that. As we close, I want to read an excerpt from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 to 11. I'm going to read from the message version, which is a paraphrased version of the Bible, but I just love how the author put this. And this is what the message says. And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. I love this because anyone who's tried to teach the Bible, you'll know you are way over your head. So things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. He says, my task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God who created all this in the first place has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, gathered in churches. This extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. 
All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. Just by being here this morning and joining together in fellowship with one another, singing together, praying together, laughing together, you are helping the cause of Christ. Now, imagine the, the, the impact that you could have if we decided to up our koinonia with one another. And you decided to get serious about having koinonia and doing life together with the people in your local church. Imagine if we upped our koinonia with Christ and decided, I want more fellowship with Christ. And ultimately, imagine the impact it would have. You said, you know, I want fellowship, not just with my friends here at Generation, not just with Christ, but I want to have fellowship with the millions of people who are part of the kingdom of God. Imagine the influence you could have. Forget Frodo Baggins and his friends and an epic tale of Lord of the Rings. Your story would be more epic your story would be more worthwhile and your story would be so much more exciting because you are helping in the work of Jesus Christ, which is to seek and to save those who are lost in a dark and dying world with the message of Christ. That is that Jesus saves. Let's bow our heads in prayer. So as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, just before we close out our service this morning, I want you just to think of just ways that you can increase your koinonia with those here at Generation, with those that you do life with. How can I not just associate, but how can I contribute? How can I share? How can I participate in the work that God is doing in this little corner of Harford County? Maybe for some of you, it's joining a small group. Maybe for some of you, it's getting involved and volunteering. Maybe for some of you, it's beginning to financially contribute. Maybe for some of you this morning, it's to be more intentional about having some more meals with people. Getting together, giving some more hugs to people. Praying for people. Think about your fellowship with Christ. What, what can I do to increase my koinonia with Christ? Maybe it's in the form of devotions and Bible reading or prayer or worship. Maybe it's just talking to God a little bit more. Maybe it's obeying his commands a little bit more. And then the overflow of that, what can I do to help fellowship with the greater kingdom of God? Where can I serve and who can I serve and who can I help? From as little as doing maybe a, a shoebox for Operation Christmas Child at Christmas to going on a missions trip. 
What can I do to help other people in their work for Christ as well? So as you think about that, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, just ask God to help you in that area that you may be lacking or you may be struggling or you know you may need to strengthen today before we close. So Father God, we thank you.